I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. Oh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everybody, Kristen Sinatra Walker here for a roundtable discussion with Dr. Paul Meyer. Hey Paul. Hello Kristen, nice to be with you again. <laughs> Hello listening family. We've got a great show tonight and Paul, you're going to kick us off with what the show is about. Okay, and tonight's uh, subtopic is how to win friends and influence people. And uh, there's a famous book that was written in 1936 called How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, by Dale Carnegie. And, uh, and it was a bestseller and it sold over 15 million copies worldwide, which is uh, pretty amazing. I had one book, Love is a Choice, on uh, how to avoid narcissistic people, like codependency, that sold one and a half million, but yeah. this book sold 15 million. So anyway, it's one of the best-selling books of all time. And uh, it, it was uh, in 2011, it was number 19 on the Time Magazine's list of the 100 most wow. influential books. And, and in, in there, he gives a whole bunch of pointers. But the goal, the goal of his book was to help you to uh, be a good salesman and uh, win new clients, new customers, increase your earning power. And, uh, and so people could use the things he taught in an honest way, or they could use it to manipulate people. And so uh, what Kristen and I did is uh, we came up with our own list of, we used some of his, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, but then we came up with our own list of, of uh, 20, let's see, I'm trying to pull it up right here. Yeah, it's 20. Uh, <laughs> we got our list of we, we uh, put oh, together here, here our own. Actually, you did. Yeah. Paul is better. Well, no, you better. had it just did as many you? as I did, remember? Did I? I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, sent you, I sent you about uh, 10 or, oh, or 12. Okay. I did contribute. Woo! Yeah, yeah. And then you, <laughs> you added about eight uh, to okay. it. So anyway, Kristen and I, uh, our listening family, we, our goal for you is we want to teach you how to win healthy friends, not narcissists. And how to influence but not manipulate people. So influencing people is not, you know, we're not trying to teach you how to be a good salesman and talk them into buying a vacuum cleaner when they already have a good one. You know, our goal is for you to win healthy friends and influence in a healthy way 
people. Our ultimate goal is to be a positive influence on people who we genuinely care about, but also uh, our, our goal is to learn how to better give and receive love from people. So, mm-hmm. Kristen, you want to kick it off with, we'll cover as many as we can in, in the amount of time that we talk of these 20 suggestions yeah. that, that Kristen and I came up with. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one, be a good listener. And that's sort of a no-brainer. <laughs> you have to really think about doing that too, um, you, because we can get caught up in, in what we want to say. And I have not, I've had many, many, many times, and I still have to, you know, watch it and tell myself, be quiet, listen to what they have to say. Don't be thinking about what, how you're going to respond. Just listen. Um, especially in this frenetic, busy world. So it's, it's a skill that you have to really develop. And I'll tell you, doing a podcast has helped me really learn um, a lot about listening. It, it, and it's a lot harder than it sounds. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's easy to say, be a good listener. And uh, um, especially it's hard for me. <laughs> it's probably harder for me than it is for you. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm a little more narcissistic than you are. And, and uh, <laughs> Uh, the more narcissistic we are, the harder, and, and I don't want to be narcissistic, but we all have some tendencies, but yeah. the, the more narcissistic we are, the more we want to take up, dominate the time. I mean, I, I've said, and, and I'm, I'm a very religious person, and yet uh, I've often said that uh, if you want to know who the mo- most narcissistic person is at a prayer meeting where, where uh, six people are getting together to pray for an hour, it's the one that takes up half an hour to pray and leaves the other half an hour for the other people to divide. <laughs> so whoever <laughs> prays the longest is most narcissistic in all likelihood. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's surprising for people. But um, if you really want people to like you, um, then uh, especially when you're meeting somebody for the first time. Uh, so if any of you are out there, out there, especially if you're single and you're going out on a first date, the way to make that other person like you is not to talk hardly at all. You know, listen, listen mostly to the other person and they'll go home and think, wow, she was great or he was great, you know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it's important to listen and again, not to manipulate, but, but be sure you don't dominate the conversation. I, I know, uh, because we've been, you and I have been studying this for the past uh, week or two. Um, uh, yesterday, my wife and I had a chance, you know, we were watching TV, but we paused it because she started sharing something uh, from her childhood, you know, that was real significant to her. And being a psychiatrist, it, it, my natural tendency would be to keep butting in and offering advice and say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I really felt like God was, uh, like, like God was inside my head saying, hey, Paul, shut up. Listen and love. Really. It was like those three words kept coming to my head. Paul, shut up listen and love shut up listen and love because I kept wanting to say stuff yeah. and I just listened and she talked for about you know I mean she was sharing on a really gut level and uh and it's really cool when that happens and and uh, so I hardly said a word for about an hour and then then we shared wow. stuff after that and uh and I'm so glad I'm it, it, it drew us even closer together <laughs> and, yeah you, you're shocked that I shut up for a whole hour and I think it took God yelling at me, you know, you know, inside, it wasn't an audible voice like outside my head, you know, or I'd be psychotic, <laughs> but it, it, it was against my nature to do that, but I'm glad I did. It was the kind of thing to do. So being, being a good listener is real important, not just to get people to like you, but 
to uh, show the other person respect and, and, uh, and that you care and that they're important to you. And, and so be sure you listen. I'm not saying don't ever say a word yourself, but right. uh, be a, be a good listener. Right. So that falls into number two, which is especially listen to the feelings of others, not just facts and ask them how they feel about some things they say. And this is really important. Um, repeating some of what you heard because a, you know, we can twist things around and you know, so if you repeat what you think you heard and it's way off and that person, you know, will tell you then, okay, that's a good thing to pay attention to. Uh, but if you, if you do do that, it's really good practicing and it's also it's skill building for you and it shows that person that you are paying attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in our society today, there's, there's, you know, a lot of people don't bother sharing feelings. Mm. I mean, they didn't do that. You know, when I was a kid either, they didn't do it a whole lot, but it's even less now than it was then. I believe when I ask, uh, uh the young generation, when I have a, a new client, you know, that's in his twenties or her twenties. And I say, you know, how many people, how many close friends do you have that you can share any of your feelings with on a gut level, they uh, hardly ever have an answer. You know, that they, they the, the most common answer is they look at me strange. Like, mm-hmm. you mean there are people like that? You know, right? <laughs> Cause they're used to sharing on Facebook or, or, uh, you know, different social media and stuff and texting each other and, and they're texting each other about facts, you know, so-and-so did this. Can you believe so-and-so said that? And, you know, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, I feel like crying today. Right. Or I feel really happy today or, or uh, sharing feelings. And, and uh, uh, so when people are, when you are having a good discussion with anybody, whether they're a close friend or not, if somebody's sharing anything significant, uh, it doesn't hurt, uh, it, you know, be a good listener first, but then uh, it doesn't hurt to say, well, how, how do you feel about that? Right. Exactly. Because then they, they, instead of just telling you facts, they can say, well, you know what? I feel rejected. I feel angry. I feel um, used. I feel, and, and when they, when people share their feelings, it causes healing. It gets uh, in psychiatry, we call it decatharsis, but it's, it's, it's a term that means letting your buried emotions become unburied and releasing them. When you do that, uh, then you heal. Anxiety is a fear of finding out the truth about our own thoughts, feelings, and motives. So when we have buried emotions, we have anxiety because whenever that the truth about those emotions starts to emerge and come to our awareness, because we don't we're not aware of them, then uh, we get anxious. And if if it's close to the surface, you get a panic attack. Mm. So almost all anxiety and panic attacks are um, because there's something buried inside of that person that's threatening to emerge. And really nice people probably get a lot more panic attacks than than a jerk would, because mm. really nice people are embarrassed about being angry toward an authority figure or things like that when it's not, there's nothing wrong with being angry. Yes. And uh, really, really nice people feel things and, you know, really nice people don't feel things too. And then hopefully they, they work on it. Doesn't, you know, it's buried trauma or whatever. But what I mean is if something happens to them, what happens to all of us, uh, they're, you know, somebody is a jerk to them or some situation happens in their life that is awful, they get upset about it and they have to process it. 
And that's a good thing. Yeah. Really good thing. Because if they didn't, I mean, I just had someone and then you sent me, Paul, a lovely email on Sunday uh, that I boohooed about for an hour. No, I'm kidding for about 15 minutes, but. Oh, I, oh, I forgot. I forgot that I even sent it. Yeah. It just, and, it just came to me, you know, it just, yeah. you need to tell, you know, I was thinking that and I thought you need to just go ahead and, and type it out and tell Kristen that, that, you know, that, that, that I appreciate so nice. you for, for uh, who you are and what you do and your motives. And I, I know, you're, I mean, you're really a, I really admire you. And I'll mm -hmm. say that right here on the, on the air. Feelings mutual. Do. But it, it, we, if we, a friend of mine said, of course you're upset about what's happened because you're a mm -hmm. nice person. If you weren't really upset, you'd be as bad as the person that is doing something awful because mm -hmm. uh, they're not upset. They're, they've moved on to do this to other people. You are feeling upset. So feel upset. And I thought, oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me permission to do that. And, you know, sometimes someone giving you permission to do what is normal and natural is half the way to you moving on. <laughs> yeah. Know? And, you know, there's, there's some uh, legalistic people, or religious people, who believe it's a, a sin to get angry. Mm -hmm. And yet the Bible says, for those of you who, who are, you know, believe the Bible like, like I do, uh, and whether you believe the Bible or not, it's still a, it's still a good a good thought here. But the Bible says in Ephesians uh, four twenty six, it says, uh, and it's in, in Greek. It, the original was written in Greek, and it's in the passive imperative tense. So it's a it's not just a permission; it's a commandment. Go ahead and get angry. Mm. That's what Paul, the Apostle Paul, said. Go ahead and get angry without sinning. It's not a sin to get angry. He said, go ahead and get angry without sinning. But then. Don't let the wrath go down on your bed. Uh, I mean, don't go to bed, you know, uh, hanging on to it, don't, clinging to it. It's not like you can forgive somebody overnight. It's, uh, you know, when you forgive, it might be, you know, it's like peeling layers off an onion. You, you cry every time you peel a layer off. But every time you peel a layer off, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So 20 years later, there could still be a little bit of, uh, you know, grieving for things that happened 20 or 30 years ago. But you choose to forgive uh, as far as, uh, not not taking the person off the hook, but not letting one person out of eight billion ruin your life from then right. on. Exactly. And uh, so go ahead and get angry and and share your feelings and and get people who are feeling sad or angry or happy or love or whatever. Uh, get people if you can encourage people to share their emotions and you can share yours with them. Then then uh, it, it it it's good. It's a good way to influence people. It's a good way to win friends and influence people in a positive, Absolutely. honest way. Absolutely. So the third one is give I feel messages rather than you should or you shouldn't. I try to tell this to my ex-husband all the time. <laughs> he and he's your good friend now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's my really good Which friend. Which is really cool. And he also is That's rare. so frustrating. <laughs> I know he's going to say about me, but I'm just like, stop. I, I Sometimes I'll say, I'm sorry. I just had amnesia that you are the worst person to call about this kind of a problem <laughs> because of the should and shouldn't, and you should be happy. And Oh, he, he uh, tends to do that. Oh, yes. Ah, Later but, he will apologize and be better, but I have to go through a round of yuck to get there. So he had a natural tendency to want to be your daddy. Instead oh, of your husband. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what shouldn't shouldn't messages are. So all of you listening to us right now, 
this will teach you a lot about your relationship with your significant other, whether you're married or single or dating or engaged or whatever. Um, uh, the words you should or you shouldn't are parent to child messages. So you should, you should, I can tell you, cause I'm teaching you see, so I can use a parent to child message because uh, <laughs> it's also a professor to a student message or something like that, but, or a psychiatrist to people listening to learn about psychiatry and psychology, but uh, you should never say you should to your, to a peer that you love to somebody that's equal to you. Don't use you should, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that especially in a marriage, you know, if you tell your mate, well, you shouldn't do that. Well, you should do this. Then you're being that person's mother or that person's father. And they already had a mother and a father or a father. They don't need yeah. you to be one. And if you do, it's not going to work anyway. It's uh, if you want to influence your mate, that's the worst way to do it. Uh, because uh, even if they're really a nice person, when they hear anyone um, that's their peer saying you should, or you shouldn't, we automatically sort of react by wanting to do the opposite. Yeah. And uh, instead, if you say, here's how I feel about what you did, then they can't say, no, you don't. There's no argument. You know, they, they, they can disagree with the, with the appropriateness of your feeling, but, but they can't say, no, you don't. And if you say, here's how I feel when you do this or do that, you know, I'll give you an example um, that really happened. Usually I get home at, uh, you know, around, six to six thirty at night and my wife will have uh, a meal ready and and so you know it's ready by six thirty and and usually if I'm gonna if I have to be late almost always I remember to call her and say hey I gotta be you know I, I gotta be an hour late tonight I gotta do this and this and this so I won't be home till seven thirty tonight but um uh, th there have been a, a few times where I'd forget to call. I just get so wound up with emergencies or things that were going on and I'd forget to call and she'd have dinner ready at six 30 and I'd get home at seven 30 and she'd be angry. But instead of saying, uh, Paul, I'm really angry at you for coming home late without calling me. She'd say, Paul, here's how I feel when you come home an hour late and you haven't called me, you know, and I yeah. feel, I feel, uh, sad. I feel somewhat angry. I feel, uh, less significant. Um, and, uh, and when I hear her tell me how she feels, she's not saying, Paul, you got to change. You got to do, you got to never do that again. Right. You know, uh, if you do that or don't do that, that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, we all fail in many ways, you know, that's up to you, but here's how I feel when you do that. And when she, when she shared how she felt about me doing that, that made me want to change. That motivated me to want to change. Mm -hmm. And if she would have said, Paul, you should always call me if you're going to come home late, then I would have immediately you know, and I think I'm a pretty nice guy, but I would have immediately said, well, I had an emergency. I, I didn't even have time to stop and think about it. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'd, I'd be defensive. On the defense, yeah. Yeah. So sharing with people how you feel about different things uh, is a great way to communicate rather than uh, uh, using shoulds and shouldn'ts with them. Which is a great segue now into number four. Don't try to win any arguments with your friends. Now, I just did this. <laughs> That's our I, natural tendency. Yeah, I, and I just did this with someone who was backing out of something that they promised to do. I knew they were going to. I was irritated when I first heard it because I was like, you know, I knew that they were going to. Mm. And then I just was like, okay. 
you know, it's not worth whatever, you know, to get angry or upset or it doesn't mean I'm a doormat that lets people, you know, walk on me or whatever. It's just like, no, it's not. It just, it just isn't, it's not worth it. I don't have that need in about many things to, you know, run up the hill in the brigade and prove my point. It's, okay. Everybody has their own, you know, their own way. And it's not going to do anything for the friendship to um, sit there and try to win some kind of argument about it, you know? And, and I think we're naturally competitive and some of us are more competitive than others, but yeah. you know, in a marriage, in a marriage, uh, so many arguments are, you know, I mean, one of the persons trying to, well, both of them are trying to win, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and they're, I mean, they might be putting each other down or getting harsh or, or losing their temper or things, but they're fighting to win the argument and prove the other one wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and so what I ask people to do is imagine that you're on a basketball team and you and your wife are on the same basketball team and uh, you're the guards. And then there's, you know, the center and two forwards up there. And, uh, and, and you two are bringing the ball down the court and uh, figuring out, you know, how to throw it, uh, you know, which forward to throw it to to shoot or whether you're going to shoot yourself or whether you're going to drive in or whether you're going to get it to the center or things like that. And imagine if the two of you are taking turns driving down the court and, and both of you are competing for the ball. So you fight each other over the ball. And so you, you guys are following each other and fighting each other to try to get the ball away from the other one. Well, I mean, you'd lose every game, you know, you'd lose every game, but in life you are on the same team. You and your mate are on the same team. You're both, you know, guards on the same basketball team. So it's, it's foolish to, to try to win the ball from the other one. And uh, if there's a disagreement, that's great. You know, if, you know, I had a couple that came to me once because they were depressed and, and they'd been married like 30 years and, and, uh, and I asked them, you know, whether they, uh, argue very often and they said, no, we've never had an argument in three years. And oh, I said, well then Lord. I said, well, then one of you isn't necessary because <laughs> <I said laughs> wow. one of you must be thinking for the other and the other one's putting his or her uh, brain on a shelf, you know, cause you got it, you know, everyone has disagreements, you know, and, uh, but, but when you have a disagreement with your mate, then, uh, uh remember you're on the same team. And so, you know, I try to remember that if I start arguing with my wife, I'll stop and try to think, okay, wait, we're on the same team. Uh, okay, well, what, what, you know, what can we do about this? And, and uh, if we chat about it in a more peaceful way where we're both trying to figure out a solution to the disagreement and uh, that, then it's more likely to, to compromise with each other. And if we can't, then um, we, then we just agree to disagree. You don't have to agree with everything with your mate. I said, well, let's just agree to disagree. And not with your and, friends either. I mean, uh, yeah. And you go on, you know, you move on. I mean, it's, I mean, one of my friends has to bring up the same topic, which I'm not going to say what it is, but every single time and give me all the factoids around their position on a specific topic. And I, it's, it's just not, I just listen. And why? <laughs> I mean, because I just, it's, they're a lovely person and that's what they believe. And I don't feel like getting into an argument. About <laughs> now I'm going to give you a little, uh, uh, well, no, here I'm telling you should or shouldn't. So I apologize. <laughs> I'm, if, if that were me, I would say, do you mind if we don't talk about that topic? Cause Oh, I, I have just, done that. Yeah, I did. Start I, don't, doing I, that. I feel uncomfortable talking about that again. Yeah, you know? I did start doing that, which was, and my wife and I do that with each other. If we bring up something that, that, uh, 
you know, there's some things, I mean, we agree on almost everything. I mean, it's, it's amazing how many things we agree on, but there's some things we don't agree on, of course, which is good. And, uh, and if she starts uh, talking about something that, that I just hate to hear about, because then I just know we're going to have to agree to disagree again. Mm-hmm. I said, I really don't want to talk about that. You know, I, you know, we, we already agree to disagree about that. So let's not even bring it up. Yeah. And, and that's number five. Be conscious about what topics might be out of bounds with someone you are meeting or just getting to know. And also with people that you've known for a long time. Like I know I do not. I really don't want to talk about politics with anybody. Um, you've got politics and religion are best delayed until later in the relationship. I, I agree. But I really don't want to talk about politics with anyone, especially my ex-husband. <laughs> oh, well, I love to talk about politics. Oh, I don't. But, I but don't oh, I love to. And, and, and religion, you know, in the theology and I stuff, I love to talk about. I don't. I love to talk about that. politics and religion, but not with strangers. Yeah. You know, if, if you're meeting somebody, then, uh, then that's the, you know, one way to alienate them pretty quick is get into politics or religion. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to be an example to somebody or if to have, or to, you can share something that might be uh, spiritual if you do it in a tactful, non preachy way, but it's better to avoid politics and religion when you're first getting to know uh, somebody. But uh, with my mate, my my wife and I talk about political stuff and and religious things. We listen to document documentary documentaries and and we you know read and share a lot of stuff with each other on that. And we just love it, you know. We just love it. But we agree on almost all of it too, you know, most of it. And uh, but but uh, if if there's somebody that is of a you know, if you've discussed those things with a friend and you find out you and your friend are on different polls, it's better not to, you know, focus, you know, focus on something that just divides you. Exactly. Exactly. And that takes us to, if someone has a conflict. Well, now I know not to talk about politics with you. Yeah. I just don't. I just, (laughs) nope. (laughs) If someone has a conflict or disagreement with you, I mean, I will, but it's, it's not. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, you know, we never have talked about about politics. I don't think. Yeah, we haven't. And it's just like sports. Like I won't know what you're talking about. So why bother? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, if someone has a conflict or disagreement with you, consider... But you and I have talked about that. religious things a lot. We have, and I love talking yeah. about religious things. And not preachy either. Or just, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Yeah, I find it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So consider all the factors patiently before jumping to your own defense. Agreed. And that goes back with the listening, waiting, letting someone finish. And like I said, there are people that believe things very differently than I do. And that's their belief. And as, you know, as long as they're not trying to bait me into an argument or they're preaching at me, then, you know, state your belief. Maybe I'll learn something new or look at something different or think something new and nuanced about this person. But um, I don't, I'm not a big, I, I just would be aghast at telling someone what they should and shouldn't believe in terms of, yeah, you know, that's good. I mean, not on everything. Like if someone tells me, Oh, I'm, you know, going to go do this horrible thing and they want my opinion. I will tell them. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's different. But yeah. yeah okay. So when somebody's sharing a conflict with you, then, uh, 
again, that's like being a good listener, similar to that, but consider all the factors patiently before you jump to your own defense. Mm-hmm. And I'm guilty of uh, violating this one sometimes too, where if my wife is upset with me about something, as soon as, as soon as she shares, starts sharing what it is, my natural tendency would be to want to jump in and defend myself mm-hmm. right away. And if I do that, she says, well, wait, let me finish before you butt in. Let me finish what I'm sharing. And, uh, and I say, you're right. I'm sorry. You know, and I'll listen. And when I hear the several different factors, then, then it's, it's more likely to get through to me and, and have me say, Oh, you know, I didn't mean any harm by it, but you're right. This, I can see why this would have offended you. And, uh, so, um, and, and considering factors, even that they're not sharing, you know, think, think if, uh, if she's, um, if, uh, my wife just had a conflict with, uh, um, with a relative or something like that. And, and, uh, and then, uh, um, I say something and she starts getting mad at me disproportionately, then I, I should stop and think, well, you know, is it cause she's really mad at her relative that she just had a disagreement with? And is she taking it out on me? Cause you tend to take it out on whoever you love the most. Right. Or if I'm coming home and I'm being uh, overly harsh with her, then I stop, I need to stop and ask myself, no, why am I doing this? Oh, well, I had a really hard day and I had, a, uh, you know, usually I, I come home just feeling great because I've helped improve the quality of life for people. But sometimes I'll have, you know, a, a, an occasional client that's really nasty to others or even to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I'll come home feeling upset and, and it, it would be easier to get upset with my wife just because I'm upset already. You know, and you, again, we tend to take it out on the people that we love the most because they're the least likely to reject us. So that's considering all the factors. That's a factor. That's just one factor to consider. So if you do have a conflict with somebody, uh, don't just defend yourself immediately. You know, consider all the factors. Listen good. Listen well. Consider all the factors. And then you can defend yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember, you're on the same team, though, too. Yeah. So it's number seven is in any conflict or disagreement, focus on the here and now and not the past. Don't make statements like you never or you always. Yeah, I did that a lot. Uh, I did that a lot in my marriage. I don't do that anymore. Michael can do that, the you never, you always, or if I will make a statement about something that is about today, he'll say, well, you always blah, blah, blah. Like he's got to bring up something that I did in the past that is the opposite of what I'm saying my feelings are and I just patiently go that is not relevant to what we're talking about that's something from the past I'm talking about today (laughs) and then I yeah take a deep breath we're supposed to forgive you know uh, like I I mentioned that bible passage earlier that go ahead and get angry at Mm -hmm. somebody that hurts you or lies about you or whatever go ahead and get angry without sinning but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So you need to, um, you know, get, get past it. And, uh, uh, even if you agree to disagree or you agree to never see that, that person again, you know, if it's some narcissist that got you ticked off, mm-hmm. but, um, but in, in a relationship like with your mate or with close friend or anybody, um, you, you don't say like, if I got mad at my wife for something, um, she said, you know, today or something like that. I wouldn't say, well, you said the same thing eight years ago and you did yeah. it again four years ago. And cause that means you're holding, you know, if, if you're remembering all those things, yeah. you're holding on to bitterness and grudges and stuff. 
uh, only deal with the here and now, you know, forget, you know, the yesterday is past. So, um, d- mm-hmm. don't make statements. Well, you never do this. You always do that. Cause they're not, for one thing, they're not true. Nobody always does something yeah. or never does something. Well, and I mean, you tend to just turn it off. I hear those things and I just, you know, I'm yeah. done with the conversation. There's no resolution to the conversation because yeah. I'm done. I've, I've, I've turned it off at that point and I'm no longer invested in the conversation because I'm hitting a brick wall and just not going to go there anymore. So it's not a really a fair, um, it's not a fair fight. <laughs> yeah. So right. When I, I used to do marriage counseling and I, I don't do it now, but when I, when I would do it, um, if, if they brought up something that they were upset about that happened four years before that they had already dealt with, I would say, wait a minute, that you're, you guys already dealt with that. Let's yeah. just talk about this week. You know, what, what have you been upset with each other about this week? Don't right. bring up anything prior to that, you know, and, and uh, focus on the here and now, not on the past. All right. Number eight is in any conflict or disagreement, focus on the center of the conflict and never attack each other. That can be tough, especially when yeah, you're on one in the middle of an argument. Ooh. Yeah. And you know each other's. Yeah. Yeah. You know what will really get the other one's goat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it takes some serious maturity. Uh, I think age. <laughs> helps too. You know, and I, for those of you listening in our listening family right now, I fail in, in Kristen, I'm sure does too. We fail at a lot of these oh, things that we're yes. sharing with you. I mean, these are really good things to try to remember and do, but just remember, you're not going to be perfect at any of them. And, and I fail at a lot of these, a lot of the time, like Absolutely. the one we're reading right now. Uh, I mean, if my wife and I get in a disagreement, it's pretty easy for uh, her to, uh, to say, well, you're really blah, 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 or, or, or for me to play psychiatrist and, mm-hmm. and uh, say, well, well, this is a narcissistic tendency, that blah, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> takes one to know one, she'd say. It takes one to know one, you know. <laughs> uh, so attacking each other is stupid. Again, it's like the two of you are dribbling the ball down the court again, and you're on the same basketball team. Mm-hmm. And you're calling each other names all the way down. You, know, right. you selfish jerk. Give me that ball for a while. You know, no, no, I want it. You know, right. uh, don't attack each other. Uh, uh, the, whatever the conflict is, make that focus on the, that as the, whatever the dis- disagreement is, focus on that uh, uh, as the center of the conflict, not on who's right, who's wrong, who's being selfish, who's being this, who's being that. Don't attack each other. Try to solve the, if you solve a problem, you both win. Right, exactly. You, know you solve it, or even if you agree to disagree, you both won. Yes. You, you matured, you both won. Exactly. Exactly. Now, this one, <laughs> this is a highly charged one for me. To help, and this is number nine, to help others see the truth that they are denying to themselves, politely change their I can't to either I will or I won't, either of which is their choice, but at least the truth. Can't is the worst four letter word. My, my brother used to teach me that when I was growing up. He was eight, he's eight years older than me, and uh, and uh, we shared the same bedroom, so he really taught me a lot. He was like a extra daddy to me, mm. and uh, if he ever uh, and and he was nice to me, you know. I mean, he taught me how to play. He bought me my first basketball and and uh, and taught me how to box and different things, and uh, but he was really nice to me. But if he ever heard me use the word can't, he'd hit me ten times on the shoulder. <laughs> only the tenth one would hurt first nine would just be 
you know, a warning, you know, right. but, uh, so I knew if I used the word can't, that was the worst four letter word you could say. That was the worst swear you, word you could say is can't. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, there's really no, there, I mean, there is such a thing as can't, but almost all the things that we say we can't do, we either, uh, will do, we either could do and don't want to, uh, or we, uh, don't want to and say, I can't. And so, um, whether in therapy or with, uh, again, you're not forcing anybody to do anything. So you got to do this in a polite way. But if, uh, like Kristen right now, if, uh, if I said, well, Kristen, I, I just, I can't, uh, I can't do the, I can't do whatever, you know, something that you're asking me, uh, asking me to do like, you know, Mm -hmm. show up for some conference or something like that. Um, I'll say, well, I, I just can't. Uh, well, of course I can. Right. So, you know, if, if, if you said, well, Paul, uh, you know, you're my friend. I just, I want to know this, the truth. Uh, either I tell me you go. will or you won't. <laughs> don't tell me you can't. So either tell me that you will or you won't. And, and I don't care which one you tell me. And you would tell me that. You'd say, I don't care whether you, what, you know, if you want to do it, I want you to do it. If you don't want to do it, I don't want you to do it. Yeah. So, so um, just tell me that you will or you won't uh, rather than, you can't. If, if or okay I'll try you. or I'll make an effort. Yeah. Is number 10. That's, that's Yeah, number 10 is similar. Mm-hmm. So so if somebody's telling you uh, I can't do something, then then ask them. You're not telling them what to do. You're saying by I can't, are you saying that uh, that you won't? And if you are, that's okay. You don't have to say that you will. You know, so if you want to, then say I will. If you don't want to, then say I won't. But uh, you know, when you say I can't, then that, you know, it bothers me because it doesn't, you know, seem to be an honest statement. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. And then the next one, like you just mentioned, if you hear somebody that you're close to saying, um, you know, like if you're asking them as a favor, would you mind, uh, like if Jan asked me as a, as a favor, Paul, would you mind in the future, um, would you mind calling me if you're going to be uh, home late? Uh, then, then, uh, then I'd either say, well, yeah, that I'll, I'll definitely do that. I may forget sometimes, but I'll definitely do that. Or no, I won't do that. Uh, cause if I have emergency, I'm not going to bother to try to call you, uh, which would be a jerk, you know, a jerky thing to say, but I could say that, but, but I, it would be wrong for me to say, well, I'll try. Yeah. Cause if anytime you use the words, I'll try, uh, we learned in psychiatry that means I'll make a, a, a half-hearted effort, but I won't quite succeed. Oh, I worked for a narcissist that would do that all the time. Yeah, I'll make a I'll half-hearted try. effort, but I won't quite succeed. <sighs> so I'll try means you really, you're saying you will, but you won't. Yeah. So uh, so either say, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Yeah. And and you can say, yes, I will, and then, you know, forget once in a while because nobody's perfect. But Exactly. All don't right. use no, the words, I'll I try. Know, I know number 11 <laughs> I think you Kristen did written all over it <laughs> view each per okay and listen I say this knowing that I do not do this more times than I care to admit okay so let me put that out there try to view each person you communicate with as a soul first with the potential to make important contributions to their contacts you must have changed that Paul like you want to and them as a human being. So what I mean by that is it, we can get so angry and we can forget that we're dealing with a, 
a soul. This is another soul that's on this earth. And, you know, we get so into this minutia thinking and this very closed minded thinking. We forget who we are and we forget who they are. And it's really hard when someone is being just absolutely awful. Um, but if you can try to do that, and I know it can be done because there are a few people I know that do that more often than not. And of course I admire to, to grow up and be like, I, I really, I really screwed up the way I worded that. I don't even understand the way I wrote the way I wrote it there. <laughs> I'm totally lost. Well, but, the important part is so, the so, sure. Sure. Again, uh, Sure again, and I'll I'll reword that before we you know print it anywhere. But uh, <laughs> so view, ver, view each person that you communicate with, not just as an object or yeah, uh, you mean, but as a soul, somebody that's going to live forever and a soul and important important yeah. being. They have things here to do, and it's it's that same thing of you know when you when someone does you wrong, quote unquote, they do something very hurtful, and you can get into the upsetness of of that as, as you should, as we've said, you should, you know, someone hurts you, you get upset. Yeah. But then over time you can forget that, you know, this is a person, they have a soul, they're here for a purpose and you can get mired in this very small sort of tit for tat thinking. And the reality is there's so much going on that you aren't even privy to. Um, It just doesn't, it doesn't help you to see them or yourself from the first floor. Try to see them from the, you know, the eighth, ninth, 10th floor, just like you should try to see yourself that way too. So you don't see him as a, uh, a person first, but as a soul first. Yeah. Yep. With a lot of things going on that you don't even know about. Okay. Number 12, view the person, view the people you influence or who influence you as human beings rather than humans doing. Mm, yeah, that's like we were what we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's similar, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, it's easy, like at work uh, or really anywhere, to see people as uh, objects that can do things for you. Right. You know, we tend to, I mean, again, that's a narcissistic tendency. And we all have a few or else we'd be perfect. Right. And it's easy to see, to have uh, friends or or our mate or our kids or to see people as um, humans doing, you know, what can they do for me or what do I want them to be doing? Um, even your kids, it's easy to see them as humans doing and want, wanting them to get good grades to impress right. uh, people who know you, you know, and uh, things like that rather than human beings. So try to, uh, the pe- the people you want to influence and who or who influence you the people that you love and want to be loved by view them as human beings uh, rather than humans doing and view yourself as a human being rather yes. than a human doing that's a that yeah that is something I have to work on every day accept them unconditionally rather than based on what they can do for you yep um, especially your long term relationships need to be mutually beneficial in some ways. Right. Not just what you can do for that person or what that person can do for you. There's nothing wrong with doing things for each other. But, you know, you don't have a relationship so one person, one of you can do, be the slave for the other one. You right. know, you need to be mutually beneficial. Exactly. All right. Number 14, body language speaks more than words. Wait, 13? Did we cover 13? Um, 
Oh, yeah. Okay. No, 13. I'm sorry, 13. Think yeah. about how people might feel from being around you because people remember how they felt when they were around you more than they remember what you said. That's from Carnegie's book, but I, I like that one. Dale Carnegie said that, but uh, when you're with, when you spend time with somebody, especially if this is a newer person, um, they're going to remember how they felt when they were with you more than they're going to remember what you said. And um, so um, when you're with somebody, value them, respect them, listen to them, care about their needs as much as you care about your own. Um, and uh, Carnegie even said, Jesus taught people to love their neighbor as much as they love themselves. And we receive a lot of joy from improving the quality of life for other people. So think about how the other person's going to feel. If you have an interaction with somebody, you know, if you meet somebody for dinner tonight, whether it's a, um, somebody that you're in love with or whether it's a good friend or whether it's a business acquaintance, if you're going to have dinner with somebody, then um, ask yourself, you know, you know, are, there's some things I would like to share with that person, but are they going to remember what I tell them or how, or, or, uh, in other words, be aware of how they're going to feel about being with you. Are you talking down to them? Are you uh, treating them like you're the master and they're the slave or you're the parent and they're the child? Or uh, are they going to know that you value them and cherish them and respect them and uh, can agree to disagree with them? You know, so you share your facts that you want to share, but think about what, what, how they feel about their interaction with you. So that was something Dale Carnegie shared that I thought was, that was pretty good. Yeah. I love that too. I love that too. All right. I skipped the other one. So now 14. Yes. That's the one that's. So you go Paul on that. Really one. good. <laughs> well, body language speaks more than words. Um, pay attention. If, if you really want to be a wise person and understand people. So if you want to win friends and influence people, then the more, the, the more of the truth, you know, about what's going on inside of them and inside of you and inside of people, the, the better you're going to be at influencing people in a positive way. And so watch body language. Body language speaks more than words. And as a psychiatrist, when we were taught, uh, when I was at Duke University and, uh, and, and they taught me how to do good uh, therapy, they, they had us uh, study body language. Like um, when people... Um, if you want to figure out what the root problem is, for example, when you're getting to know a client first, first or second session, and you're wanting to try to figure out what the root problem is, that's really eating away at them that they don't even see. Then, uh, then when you bring up like their relationship with their father or, or, or something else that happened in their childhood, if, when you bring up different topics, they may just have normal reactions, but whenever you bring up uh, daddy, for example, because you've shared, you know, about your dad before, Whenever you bring up daddy, their pupils dilate. They look away from me. They quit having eye contact. Uh, they, they put a pillow on their lap. Um, um, and, and they don't even know they're doing these things. Uh, so it, they'll, they'll get a red spot on their neck, a red blotch. Uh, I love blotchy patients. I used to, the ones that did that would be embarrassed. And I'd say, no, don't, don't be embarrassed. I love it when that red light comes on. That means I'm on the right track. Every time, every time we get on the right track, 
you know, your neck turns red and, and I know we're on the right track or it wouldn't turn red. Right. And, uh, and they, they'll come the next week wearing turtleneck sweater or something. And uh, you know, I said, no, don't do that. Uh, but uh, when people, when you hit the right topic, people's pu- pupils will dilate. They may get sweaty. Uh, they'll quit having eye contact with you because they're, they, they unconsciously, they feel like if you're looking them in the eye, you're looking at their soul. Right. Uh, if it's a sexual, uh, if they have sexual, conflicts you know if somebody hurt them sexually or things like that they put a pillow on their lap and they don't know they're doing it but they're protecting their crotch area um Mm. and uh and uh um there's just different things that they'll do that give away what their body is talking to you and it's saying things to you that their mind doesn't even know their brain doesn't even know their unconscious knows that you're hitting a nerve their brain doesn't and and they may tear up and you ask them why you're tearing up and, and they may not know why they're tearing up, yeah. you know? And, uh, and so then you, you focus, you, you hone in as a therapist, you hone in on whatever topic brings about those reactions. I try to get my clients to cry. And sometimes I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm crying. Dr. Mark, sorry. I say, I, I feel like a failure if I don't get you to cry because <laughs> <laughs> I want you to deconfect. I want you to get your feelings out. I've got a Kleenex box sitting right next to them all the time. Yeah. So, uh, with your friends too, um, I mean, you're, it's not like you're their therapist or anything, but, um, um, you know, understand you can, when you're talking to a friend, you can look at their body language and, and, uh, and listen to it and pick up on things that you, that you won't hear just from words. So we were taught when you do therapy, the words is what they share with you is half of what you need to know and what their body is sharing with you is half of what you need to know. And I even remember one um, case where um, uh, the profs and a few of the students uh, watched through it, watched through a two-way mirror and, uh, and a really good therapist was in the other room uh, with a family, a family came in for family therapy and they knew they were being viewed, but they couldn't see us, but we could see them. So, I mean, you know, they had the, you know, that they were giving, they given permission, but, we were supposed to, we couldn't hear what they were saying. So we were supposed to watch the session and try to guess what was going on. And uh, so it, it was interesting. And, I, and I, I did a really good job of guessing what was going on. But uh, they came in and, uh, and uh, right away the, um, the, the, the therapist sat down and, there, you know, there was a couch and some chairs. And uh, right away the mom told everybody where to sit. I mean, that's, that's a clue. The teenage girl was pregnant. That's a clue, you know. <laughs> That's body language in a way, you know. Right. And uh, um, the uh, mom put the the girl on the opposite side of the room from her with her dad. That's that was a clue, uh, you know. And, and then there were different things that happened uh, whenever the therapist would uh, ask anybody in the room a question, be looking at them. The mom would answer. That was a clue. You know? yes. so, I just, I just, I won't go on and on and on, but I just but, had a memory of my mother <laughs> would tell me where to sit. She would just tell everybody, well, you should sit there. Da, da, da. And my constant thing with my mother was I'd be like, mom, I can seat myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I usually went and would sit at the head of the table because whatever. I don't know. I don't do that now, but whenever I was around my mother, I would immediately go sit at the end of the table. Passive aggressive probably for her trying to micromanage where I was going to sit. But 
Anyway, oh yeah, body language. So body language. Pay attention to body language and you'll be twice as smart as you were before because then you'll be hearing um, things that, that people don't even know they're saying. Now, we have five more, Paul. There's no way we're going to get them done. Yeah, we might as well quit. Yeah, we'll and do we'll some more. Do the rest next time. Yeah, we'll do the the last five the next time. I will say this: I did have I, I've known a couple people that would get a rash on their neck and stuff, and um, one of them would get a really bad rash on their neck, and they would break out in hives anytime they were about to be um, called to the carpet for stuff they were doing that was really wrong. Oh, they'd really get hives. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent, and they would show me. Look at this. Wow. And I later I realized, oh, they were That's trying really to show me that they they were trying to let me know that they're getting hives. I don't know, you know, that could be analyzed in any different way, but it was it was with other people and with me when we all were like, listen, you can't keep doing this behavior. It's not fair to the friendship or the relationship. It isn't healthy. When they knew that was coming because they were doing things that weren't so hot, they would break out in a horrible set of hives because they knew that people were going to say something to them about it. It was fascinating. You know what? Maybe we should just, uh, um, let me just mention what the other five are. Okay. uh, In case we don't uh, get back to it. Because there's, uh, because I know next week we're going to cover a different topic. So let me just mention them uh, briefly. Okay, uh, number 15 is keep healthy boundaries uh, with others that you come in contact with, including with your own close friends and relatives. So people feel safe around other people who they feel safe with. And people feel safest around well-boundaried people. So that's one that you shared that I really appreciated. Another one is reach out to people that you care about who are withdrawing from other significant people in their lives. Some people, when they get depressed or down on themselves, tend to withdraw. So reach out to people that you that you care about who seem to be withdrawing. That's an easy one. Um, number 17, work diligently on discovering and uncovering your most authentic self. So uh, work diligently on getting to know yourself better. All of you right now who are listening to this podcast are the kind of people that do that. I mean, you're, you listen to these podcasts hour after hour after hour, yeah. and, and don't you know a lot more about yourself now? and about other people now than you did before. I certainly hope you do than before you started listening to these podcasts. Yeah, we so learn work more diligently. about ourselves doing them. Yeah, and you and I, yeah, you and I learn a lot by doing them. Oh, I need to work <laughs> even, on that Even one. doing this one today, you know, <laughs> yeah. even doing this one today, we, oh, well, you know, I feel at that one. So work on uh, learning who your authentic self is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 18 is people who are, are most comfortable with you, even when they disagree with you for whatever reason, uh, that people are most comfortable with you, even if they disagree with you. Uh, when you are humble, you humbly are aware, aware of your own own. strengths and shortcomings yeah, and comfortable in your own skin. That's something you shared too. Yeah, so uh, true. Uh, and then uh, here's, I should let you share name these cause you're the one that wrote these and I love them. <laughs> Why don't you share the last two? Sure. Nobody ever died laughing, but laugh loudest about yourself. That's so true. I mean, you can be self-deprecating to the point of it being an issue, a self-esteem issue. So don't be mean to yourself. But 
if you can laugh at your foibles and laugh at, and cringe at the things that you do, you know, that's why Paul and I are saying tonight, yeah, we need to relook at this list too, because yeah, we laughed you know, about ourselves tonight, yes, didn't we? Exactly. Yeah. I'm not embarrassed. You and I get, get along because we do yeah. laugh about those things. That is such an attractive, yeah. um, it's such an attractive quality to be able to do that and be genuine about it. There are plenty of people yeah. that are just completely disingenuous about doing yeah. that, but you can tell when someone really means it uh, that they're just, they're like, yeah, I do that. It isn't that good, but I'm working on it. So number 20, diversify your life and experiences to grow in wisdom and character. I think, well, I talked about travel. I, yeah. I think travel to different places, be friends with people way younger than you, way older than you, and have friends yep. that are different religions, different belief systems, yeah. different cultures. Because you just, you know, you just, it's another way to help you kind of laugh at yourself and see how small you are in the big I, world I, we live in. And I, I added a little sentence to what you uh, uh, shared there. I said, be open-minded, but not so open-minded that you allow people to throw trash in it. Yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Do not be a waste receptacle for other people's junk. <laughs> so, I mean, if you listen to these, if you listen to some of the podcasts on YouTube and stuff like that, you know, about, you know, there's little, little green men in your attic and stuff, you know, and, yeah. uh, it's one thing to be open-minded, but not so open-minded that uh, you let people throw trash into your brain. But but do be open-minded and, and diversify your life and experiences and and uh, hang out with different people of, of different faiths, different uh, colors, yeah. and uh, and uh, all ages and 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 you'll really learn a lot. And I know traveling around the world, um, I, I got to travel all around the world. Um, uh, you know, Jordan, Turkey, Russia, South America. And, Cuba and you know uh, all over Europe teaching psychology and things like that and uh, and sometimes and, and I did that at my own expense I never got paid for doing it yeah. and sometimes uh, I'd go to poor areas and I'd be laying I'd be sleeping at night on somebody's couch and mm -hmm. it'd be a really old small couch with me. I'm six foot four you know so right. my my uh, my knees would be off the couch you know on the arm fall you know leaning off the couch and I'd try to sleep on the couch and I might be getting bit by mosquitoes sometimes and things, but, but I learned so much by uh, being around people of all different cultures and things. And Absolutely. it really appreciates, uh, helps you to appreciate America when you get back to it too. I'd get down and yes. kiss the ground sometimes. I'm I've proud to be an American. Yeah, exactly. I've done that too. Mm -hmm. And a smile will take you a long, a real genuine yeah. from your heart smile can get you out of a lot of potential good stuff <laughs> yeah so there i i would have felt guilty if we wouldn't have covered all 20 so we did yeah and we did it we did it we did oh my it. gosh we did it okay thank you so much paul thank you listeners thank you to our listening family for tuning in thank you Kristen. <laughs> to another episode of roundtable with dr paul meyer on mental health news radio I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment.
And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. So-